chapter five part two of the village in the jungle by leonard wolf this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five part two the charms of the veterala did not take long to act upon Solindi. he felt that he was a doomed man and his mind could think of nothing but the impending evil the banyan trees of the ruined village of bagama obsessed his mind he knew that ruin waited for him there and yet a horrible desire to see them was always present with him he could no longer remain in the hut or compound he wandered through the jungle fighting against the pull of the desire his wanderings became a circle of which the banyan trees were the centre he tried to go back to his hut where he felt that there was safety for him and found himself walking in the opposite direction darkness began to settle over the jungle and the life which awakes only in its darkness began to stir voices mocked him from the canopy of leaves above him dim forms moved among the shadows of the trees suddenly a blind terror came upon him and he began to run through the dense jungle the boughs of the trees lashed him as he ran down the narrow tracks the thorns tore him like spurs he lost all sense of direction vague shapes seemed to follow him in the darkness enormous forms broke away from the track before him to crash away among the undergrowth and trees the throbbing of his heart and throat became unendurable but still his one idea was to run as he ran the jungle suddenly became thinner the thorny undergrowth had given way to more open spaces even here it was very dark he stumbled against the knotted root of a tree a long straight swinging bough struck him in the face a wild derisive yell came from above the blood seemed to rise and drown his eyes he felt about vaguely with his hands he recognized the root-like stringy trunks of the banyan trees he heard the cry ring out above his head and he fell huddled together among the roots of the trees selindu did not hear again the cry of the devil bird from the tree-tops he lay unconscious throughout the night when dawn broke he came to himself stiff and cold he dragged himself slowly to the hut there was no necessity to tell the others what had happened the pale yellow of his skin his sunken grazed eyes his shivering body told them that puncturala's charms had already begun their work and his devils had already entered selindu he lay down on a mat within the hut to wait for the slow sapping of his life by the spell for the next two days selindu lay in the hut very slowly letting go his hold of life a kind of coma was upon him as he felt life gradually slipping from his body from time to time the women began a shrill wail in the compound babun went to expostulate with pancharala 
but the veterala after listening with a malignant smile replied that he knew nothing and could do nothing in the matter baban returned to lounge moodily about the compound on the second day Karlinahami, determined in despair to go herself to the veterala she found him sitting in his compound you have come about your brother no doubt but i can do nothing i'm only a poor veterala there is the government hospital in kumburu pitaya and a mahatmaya in trousers a drinker of arak a clever man he will give you government medicines free of charge just a phantom or two for the peon who stands by the door you should take your brother there it is only three days journey Federala, my brother lies in the hut dying he has covered his head with his cloth and he will neither eat nor speak life is slipping from him the doctor mahatmaya will say it is the fever he will give you a bottle of fever mixture free of charge a clever man the doctor mahatmaya yes you should take him to the hospital and get the medicine free of charge it is a good medicine though unpleasant to the taste they tell me ayo what is the good of going to the hospital why do you talk like that veterala you are laughing at me we know that it is the devils that have entered my brother and that you alone have power to save him devils what do i know of devils no they tell me the doctor mahatmaya keeps no medicine in the hospital against devils the government says there are no devils surely it is fever or fire fever or dysentery it is for these that they give government medicine no it is no good going to the hospital for devils veterala i have brought you kurakan here it is all i have and i will talk to the girl for you yes and to my brother if he gets well but take the spell from him veterala take the spell from him i pray you i know nothing of spells i'm a poor village veterala with a little knowledge of roots and leaves and fruits which my father taught me veterala you yourself told us of the charms and spells your skill is known charm the devil to leave my brother he meant no harm he is a strange man you know that veterala he never meant to injure you the girl will come to you i will see to that only take the spell from my brother Pancharala sat and looked at Karlinahami, smiling for a little while then he said is the woman mad too what do i know of charms and spells i can work no charm on your brother but i have some little knowledge of devils my father taught me well well let me think now if a devil has entered the man and is slowly taking his life from him perhaps there is a way let me think do you know the village of Baragama? no veterala no i have heard it but i do not know it well it lies over there to the east five days journey through the jungle beyond mahapotana and the river of jewels do you think you could take your brother there yes veterala we could go there there is a great temple there and the great baragama Devio lives in it he is a tamil god so they say but sinhalese caporalas serve him in the temple my father used to say that he is a very great god his power is over the jungle 
and the devils who live in it the devils of the trees obey him for his anger is terrible if a devil has entered a man and is harming him and taking his life from him that man should make a vow to the god so my father used to say then he should go to the temple at baragama at the time of the great festival and roll in the dust round the temple three times every day and call upon the god in a loud voice to free him from the devil and perhaps if he call loud enough the god will hear him and order the devil to leave him then the devil will be afraid of the god's power and will leave the man who will be freed from the evil now the great festival falls on the day of the next full moon perhaps if your brother makes a vow to the baragama de Villo and goes to the great festival the devil will be driven out by the god you and the girl might take him there and perhaps i will go too for i have made a vow myself Kalinahami fell at the veterala's feet salaaming and whimpering blessings on him then she hurried home it took a long time to make selindu understand that there was hope for him at first he would not listen to their entreaties and exhortations at last when he was prevailed upon to believe that it was Pancharala himself who had suggested the remedy some spirit to fight for life seemed to creep into him he took some food for the first time and sat listening to the plans for the pilgrimage it was decided that they should start on the next day and that baban should accompany them the next day the pilgrims set out on a journey which with the enfeebled Selindu, would they knew take them at least six days their road the whole way led them through thick jungle villages were few and what there were consisted only of a few squalid huts the only village of any size through which they were to pass was mahapotana an agricultural village one day's journey from baragama which had sprung up around a vast tank restored by government they carried their food with them and slept at night on the bare earth under bushes or trees every day they trudged straggling along in single file from seven to eleven in the morning and from three to six in the evening Selindu was dazed and weak and often had to be helped along by baban the women carried large bundles of food and chatties wrapped up in cloths upon their heads it was the hottest time of the year when the jungle is withered with drought the grass has died down the earth is caked and cracked with heat the trees along the paths and road are white with dust the pools had dried up and the little streams were now mere channels of gleaming sand often they had to go all day without finding a pool or a well with water in it for twelve hours every day the sun beat down upon them fiercely the quivering heat from the white roads beat up into their faces and eyes the wind swept them with its burning gusts and eddies of dust their feet were torn by the thorns and swollen and blistered by the hot roads as hinihami followed hour after hour along the white track which forever coiled out before her into the walls of dusty trees the old song which carlinahami had sung to them when they were children continually was in her mind and she sang as she walked our women's feet are weary but the day must end somewhere for the followers in the way two days journey from betagama they joined a larger and more frequented track here they continually met little bands of pilgrims bound for the same destination as themselves 
the majority of them were tamils hindus from india from the tea estates and from the north and east of the island strange-looking men such as hinihami had never seen before very dark with bodies naked to the waist with lines of white and red paint on their shoulders their foreheads smeared with ashes and the mark of god's eye between their eyebrows they wore clothes of fine white cotton caught up between the legs and they carried brass bowls and brass tongs their women heavy and southern-looking followed carrying bundles and children there were however also little bands of buddhists sinhalese like themselves and to one of these bands they attached themselves four of them were a family from a village only twenty miles north of Betagama, and jungle people like themselves they were taking a blind child to see whether if they called upon the god he would hear them and give him sight there were a fisher and his wife from the coast they were childless and the woman had vowed to go to the festival and touch the heel of the caporala in order that the god might remove from her the curse of barrenness last there was an old man a trader from a large and distant village of another district he wore immense spectacles and all day long he walked reading or chanting from a large sinhalese religious book which he carried open in his hand the rest of the party did not understand a word of what he read but they felt that he was acquiring merit and that they would share a little of it he had been brought up in a buddhist temple and at night after the evening meal he gathered the little party round him and preached to them or read to them by the light of the camp-fire how they should live in order to acquire merit in this life and at the appropriate places they all cried out together sadhu sadhu for he made them all repeat together aloud the sill or rules and as their voices rose and fell in the stillness of the night air carlin nahami's face shone with ecstasy and a sense of well-being and quiet strange to her stole over hinihami even in Salindu there came a change he joined in the chant budhan saranam gachami with which they began and ended the day he became less hopeless and sullen and the look of fear began to leave his eyes in the evenings when the air grew cool and gentle after the pitiless heat and wind of the day as they sat around the fire by the roadside and the great trees rose black behind them into the night and the stars blazed above them between the leaves and up and down the road twinkled the fires of other pilgrims and the air was sweet with the smell of the burning wood and the hum of voices and the vast stillness of the jungle folded them round on every side and they listened to the strange words but half understood of the lord buddha and how he attained to nirvana then the sufferings of the day were forgotten and a feeling stole over them of peace and holiness and merit acquired and one evening at baban's suggestion Nahami told them a story which had always been a favourite with the village women at first the old man with the book and spectacles showed signs of being offended at this usurpation but he was soothed by their saying that they did not want to tire him and by their asking him to read to them again after the story was finished in the end he was an absorbed listener as Hami told the following story the lord buddha in one of his previous lives met a young girl carrying kunji to her father who was ploughing in the field and when he saw her he thought 
the maiden is fair if she is unmarried she would make me a fit wife and she thought when she saw him if such a one took me to wife i would bring fortune to my family and he said to her what is your name her name was amara devi which means undying so she replied sir my name is that which never was is nor will be in this world nothing he said born in this world is undying is your name amara she answered yes sir then the buddha said to whom are you taking the kanji to the first god you are taking it to your father yes sir what is your father doing he makes one into two to make one into two is to plough where is your father ploughing he ploughs in that place from which no man returns no man returns from the grave is he ploughing near the burial ground yes sir then amara devi offered the buddha kanji to drink and he accepted it and he thought to himself if the maiden gives me the kanji without first washing the pot i will leave her at once but amara devi washed the pot first and then gave the kanji the buddha drank the kanji and said friend where is your house that i may go to it and amara devi answered go by this path until you come to a boutique where they sell balls of rice and sugar go on until you come to another where they sell kanji from there you will see a flamboyant tree in full blossom at that tree take the path towards the hand with which you eat rice that is the way to my father's house and the buddha went as amara devi had directed him and found the house and went in amara devi's mother was in the house and she welcomed the buddha and made him sit down and he seeing the poverty of the house said mother i am a tailor have you anything for me to sew and she said son there are clothes and pillows to mend but i have no money to pay for the mending then he replied there is no need of money bring them for me to mend so the lord buddha sat and mended the torn clothes and pillows and in the evening amara devi came back from the fields carrying a bundle of firewood on her head and a sheaf of jungle leaves in the folds of her cloth and buddha lived in the house some days in order to learn the behaviour of the girl at the end of three days he gave her half a seer of rice and said amara devi cook for me kanji boiled rice and cakes she never thought to say how can i cook so much out of half a seer of rice but was ready to do as she was told she cleaned the rice boiled the whole grains made kanji from the broken grains and cakes from the dust she offered the kanji to the buddha and he took a mouthful and tasted the delight of its sweetness but to try her he spat it out on the ground and said friend since you do not know how to cook why do you waste my rice amari devi took no offence but offered him the cakes saying friend if the kanji does not please you will you eat of the cakes and the buddha did the same with the cakes then amara devi offered him the rice and again he spat out the rice and pretended to be very angry and smeared the food upon her head and body and made her stand in the sun before the door the girl showed no anger but went out and stood in the sun then the buddha said amara devi friend come here and she came to him and he took her as his wife and lived with her in the city in the gatekeeper's house and she still thought he was a tailor and one day he sent two men to her with a thousand gold pieces to try her the men took the gold pieces and with them tempted her but she said these thousand gold pieces are unworthy to wash my husband's feet 
and three times she was tempted and at last he told them to bring her to him by force so they brought her to him by force and when she came into his presence she did not know him for he sat in state in his robes but she smiled and wept when she looked at him the buddha asked her why she smiled and wept and she said lord i smiled with joy to see your divine splendour and the merit acquired by you in innumerable births but when i thought that in this birth you might by some evil act such as this by seducing another's wife earn the pains of death i wept for love of you then the buddha sent her back to the house of the gatekeeper and he told the king and queen that he had found a princess for his wife and the queen gave jewels and gold ornaments to amara devi and she was taken in a great chariot to the house of the buddha and from that day she lived happily with him as his wife the other pilgrims except the fisher who had fallen asleep were delighted with Nami's story and they wanted her to tell them another but she was afraid to offend the old man again so she refused the old man read to them a while and gradually one after the other they dropped off to sleep and in the morning they started off again down the long white road and at midday when they were hot and footsore the wall of jungle before them parted suddenly and they came out into a great fertile plain the green rice fields stretched out before them dotted over with watch huts and clumps of coconut trees and red-roofed houses and the immense white domes of dagobas gleaming in the sun beyond shone the pleasant sheet of water through which the jungle had yielded the smiling plain the dead trees still stood up gaunt and black from its surface great white birds sat upon the black branches or flapped lazily over the water with wild hoarse cries its bosom was starred and dappled with pink lotus flowers and beyond again lay the long dark stretch of jungle out of which far away to the north towered into the fiery sky the line of dim blue hills it was the tank and village of mahaputana and when the weary band of pilgrims suddenly saw the monotony of the trees and of the parched jungle give place to the water and the green fields and the white dagobas the shrines built by kings long ago to hold the relics of the lord buddha they raised their hands salaaming and cried aloud sadhu sadhu they picked lotus flowers and went to the great dagoba which is called after an ancient king and laid the flowers upon the shrine as an offering and walked three times around crying sadhu sadhu and thus acquired merit then they went into the bazaar which was crowded with pilgrims hindus and buddhists and indian fakirs and moormen innumerable bullock carts stood on the road and paths and open spaces and the air rang with the bells of the bulls which lazily fed upon the great bundles of straw tied to the carts and the old man who had noted the poverty of Salindu and his family bought them rice and curry and plantains so they sat under the shade of a great bow-tree and ate a meal such as hinihami had never eaten before her eyes wandered vacantly from thing to thing she was dazed by the crowd perpetually wandering to and fro by the confused din of talking people of coughing cattle and jangling bells in the evening they went to another dagoba and then returned to the bow-tree and lighted their fire all about them were other little fires around which sat groups like themselves of pilgrims eating the evening meal they ate rice again and cakes and hinihami grew heavy with sleepiness a great peace came upon her as she heard Kalinahami tell of how she had before come on pilgrimage to the great buddhist festival of maha patona 
when the crowds were tens of thousands more and the old man told of a pilgrimage to the sacred city of anuradhapur on the great poya day when hundreds of thousands acquire merit by encircling the shrine and the merit to be acquired by climbing adam's peak or by visiting the ruined shrines of sitopahua which the jungle has covered so that the bears and leopards have made their lairs in the great caves by the side of buddhas who lie carved out of rock the air was heavy with the smell of cooking and the pungent smell of the burning wood the voice of the old man seemed to come from very far away she covered her head with a cloth and lay down on the bare ground for the first time the bareness and fear and wildness of life had fallen from her she fell asleep in the peace of well-being and the merit which she had acquired next morning to the regret of all they had to leave the pleasant village and resting-place of mahaputana and face again the suffering and weariness of the jungle for two days their path led them through low thorny jungle where there was little shelter from the sun the track became stony and rocky grey boulders of grey lichen-covered rock were strewn among the thick undergrowth at intervals could be seen enormous rocks towering above the trees in the afternoon of the first day they caught their first glimpse of the sacred baragama hill which rises into three rounded peaks above the village and temple next day towards evening they had reached the high forest which starting from its foot clothed the hill almost to its peaks then once again the jungle parted suddenly and they stood upon the bank of a great stream the banks were deep and enormous trees kumbuck with its peeling bark and the wild fig tree shaded them the season of drought had narrowed the stream of water so that it flowed shallow in the centre of the channel leaving on either side a great stretch of white sand up and down stream were innumerable pilgrims washing from them in the sacred waters the dust of the journey and the impurities of life before they entered the village they followed the example of the other pilgrims and performed the required ablutions after which they put on clean white clothes and climbed a path on the opposite bank which led them into the village they found themselves in a long very broad street on each side of which were boutiques and houses and large buildings resting-places for the pilgrims the street was thronged with pilgrims idling buying provisions hurrying to the temple it was near the time for the procession to start from the temple the festival lasted fourteen days and every night the god was taken in procession through the village it culminated in the great procession of the fourteenth night which falls when the moon is full and in the ceremony of the following morning when the carparala goes down accompanied by all the pilgrims into the bed of the river and cuts the waters with a golden knife slindu and his party arrived in baragama on the ninth day of the festival so that they would remain six days in the village and take part in six processions at either end of the broad straight street stood temples the one at the north end belonged to the baragama divayo divayo the temple or Dwala itself was a small squat oblong building above which at one end rose the customary dome-like erection of hindu temples on which are fantastically carved the images of gods around the temple was an enormous courtyard enclosed by red walls of roughly baked bricks just outside the wall of the courtyard on the east side was another and a smaller temple 
belonging to the god's lawful wife at the southern end of the street stood another temple it was a square dirty white building without a courtyard but surrounded on all sides by a veranda in which among a litter of broken furniture and odds and ends lounged and squatted and slept a large number of pilgrims the only entrance to the shrine itself was through a doorway in the front which was screened by a large curtain ornamented crudely with the figures of gods and goddesses no one was allowed to enter behind this curtain except the caporales for the temple belonged to the mistress of the baragama de Vio. the solemnity of the pilgrimage was intensified in the minds of selindu and carla nahami and the other pilgrims who were villagers like themselves by the mystery which surrounds the god on the road and around the fires at night in the streets of the village and in the very courtyard of the temple they listened to the tales and legends and believing them all without hesitation or speculation they felt through their strangeness far more than they had ever felt with the buddha of dagobas and viharas that this god was very near their own lives who was he this tamil god living in the wilderness whom the tamil said was Kandaswami, the great hindu god these buddhist villagers felt that they could understand him he was so near to the devils of the trees and jungles whom they knew so well he had once lived upon the centre of the three peaks of the great hill ruling over the unbroken forest which stretched below him tossing and waving north to the mountains and south to the sea that was why every night throughout the festival a fire blazed from the peak but one day as he sat among the bare rocks upon the top of the hill and looked down upon the winding river and the trees which cooled its banks the wish came to him to go down and live in the plain beyond the river even in those days he was a tamil god so he called to a band of tamils who were passing and asked them to carry him down across the river the tamils answered lord we are poor men and have travelled far on our way to collect salt in the lagoons by the seashore if we stop now the rain may come and destroy the salt and our journey will have been for nothing we will go on therefore and on our way back we will carry you down and place you on the other side of the river as you desire the tamils went on their way and the god was angry at the slight put upon him shortly afterwards a band of sinhalese came by they also were on their way to collect salt in the lagoons then the god called to the sinhalese and asked them to carry him down across the river the sinhalese climbed the hill and carried the god down and bore him across the river and placed him upon its banks under the shadow of the trees where now stands his great temple then the god swore that he would no longer be served by tamils in his temple and that he would only have sinhalese to perform his ceremonies and that is why to this day though the god is a tamil god and the temple a hindu temple the kaparalas are all buddhists and sinhalese the god therefore is of the jungle a great devil beneficent when approached in the right manner and season whose power lies for miles upon the desolate jungle surrounding his temple and hill a power to swear by for he will punish for the oath sworn falsely by his ill a power who will listen to the vow of the sick or of the barren woman a power who can aid us against the devils which perpetually beset us it was in this way that the pilgrims regarded the god and they chose well the time of his festival to approach him for the god loved a hind and had made her his mistress and had placed her in the temple which stood 
at the southern end of the street on each of the fourteen nights of his festival at caporales entered his shrine and covering the god in a great black cloth so that no one should look upon him carried him out and placed him upon the back of an elephant then the pilgrims called upon the name of the god and with bowls of blazing camphor upon their heads followed him in procession to his mistress's temple there the caporales blindfolded took the god hidden by the cloth from the elephant and carried him up the steps of the temple again the pilgrim shouted the god's name and women pressed forward to touch the caporala as he passed for in this way they escaped the curse of barrenness the caporala carried the god to his mistress and then retired amid the roar of tom-toms the jangling of bells the flaring of great lights and the passionate shouts of the people the pilgrims prostrated themselves then the caporala still blindfolded again slipped behind the curtain into the shrine and brought out the god and placed him upon the elephant and the procession followed him back to his own temple selindu and the others reached the village in the evening only a little while before the procession started they therefore made their way once to the great temple and took their stand among the pilgrims who crowded the courtyard they had eaten nothing since the midday meal they were hungry and dizzy after the long days upon the road selindu seemed too dazed and weak to take much notice of what was taking place about him and he had to be helped along by baban carlin lahami was awed and devout an old pilgrim she knew the demeanour required of her the effect upon hinihami was different tired and hungry though she was even the great crowd in the courtyard excited her as each new pilgrim arrived he called aloud upon the god and the whole crowd took up the cry which rose and fell around the shrine she who had before never seen more than forty or fifty people in her life felt the weight and breath of thousands that jostled and pressed her her heart beat as under the flare of the torches hundreds of arms were raised in supplication and to the crash of the tom-toms the name of the god thundered through the air the tears came into her eyes and ran down her cheeks as time after time the roll of the many voices surged about her and when at last the great moment came and the caporala appeared carrying the god under the black cloth and over the sea of arms the elephant lifted up its trunk and trumpeted as the god was placed upon his back she stretched out her hands and cried to the god to hear her they followed in the rear of the procession where men roll over and over in the dust and childless women touched the ground with their forehead between every step in fulfilment of their vows selindu with drawn face and vacant eyes dragged himself along leaning on baban carlin nahami devout and stolid raised the ceremonial cry at the due stopping-places behenni hami felt the power of the god in her aunt over them all she felt how near he was to them mysteriously hidden beneath the great cloth which lay upon the elephant's back she felt again the awe which great trees in darkness and the shadows of the jungle at nightfall roused in her the mystery of darkness and power which no one can see and again and again as the procession halted and the cry of the multitude rolled back to them her breath was caught by sobs and again she lifted her hands to the god and called upon his name she formulated no prayer to him she spoke no words of supplication only in excitement and exultation of entreaty she cried out the name of the god they were too tired that night to go into the shrine of the big temple after the procession and see the ceremony there they had lost sight of the old man in the crowd so that they had to make their meal off a little food that they carried with them 
then worn out by their journey and excitement they lay down on the bare ground in the courtyard of the temple next morning Salundu was no better he seemed weaker and more lifeless it was clear that the devil had not yet left him baban remained with him while kalinahami and hinihami went down to the river to bathe the excitement of the previous evening had not died out of the girl and there was much going on around her to keep it up the village was a small one and really consisted of little more than the one street of thirty or forty houses which were roofed with red tiles and had brown walls of mud most of the houses were turned into boutiques during the pilgrimage and the inhabitants prospered by selling provisions to the pilgrims when kalinahami and hinihami returned from the river hundreds filled the street lounging strolling gossiping and purchasing every now and then the crowd would gather more thickly in one quarter and they would see a pilgrim arrive performing some strange vow there were some who had run a skewer through their tongue and cheeks another had thrust through the skin of his back a long stick from which hung bowls of milk at another time they saw a man naked except for a dirty loin-cloth his long hair hanging about his face and a great halo of flowers and branches upon his head thirty or forty great iron hooks had been put through the skin of his back to every hook was attached a long cord and all the cords had been twisted into a rope another man held the rope while the first bearing with his full weight upon it so that the skin of his back was drawn away from his body danced around in a circle and shouted and sang as kalinahami and hinihami were making their way slowly through the crowd they suddenly heard a soft voice behind them say well mother has not the hospital cured your brother of his fever they turned and saw the smiling face and winking eye of the veterala hinihami shrank away from him behind kalinahami veterala said kalinahami i must speak with you come away from all these people they pushed through the crowd and going down a narrow opening between two boutiques found themselves in the strip of quiet forest upon the bank of the river the veterala squatted down under a tree and began to chew betel kalinahami squatted down opposite to him and hinihami tried to hide herself behind her from the eye of the veterala which seemed to her maliciously to wink at her Pancharala leaned round and peered at the girl well daughter he said ironically emphasizing the word daughter what have you come to the god for have you touched the caporala's foot and prayed for a child truly they say he is the god of the barren wife chi chi she covers her face with her hands is the man dead then what has the widow to do in baragama oh hey now see she has come to the god for clothing and food as they say may the god give her a man young and fair and strong a prince with cattle and land for the girl is fair even i the one-eyed old man can see that and the god is a great god don't talk this nonsense betterala broke in kalinahami impatiently you shame the girl and frighten her the god is a great god we know that and as you told me we brought my brother here io the long road and the hot sun we are burnt as black as tamils and look at our feet on the road the strong and healthy fall sick and the sick man grows weaker have you sent my brother here to kill him he lies now in the temple with no strength in him last night we took him in the parahara and called upon the god to hear us i pray you veterala you are a wise man and renowned for your knowledge tell me what wrong have we done the devil remains the god has not hurt us nor driven him out 
be patient mother this fever is a hard thing to cure did i not tell you that even in the hospital there is no medicine against it and it is hard for a man to find the lucky hour the gecko calls and the man starts from the house the man does not hear the sign he is saying you there bring that along and you here where is the bundle with the curricon so he starts on the journey in an unlucky hour we heard no gecko nor any other bad sign but we had to start quickly for the time was short we had no time to consult an astrologer to find the lucky hour yes perhaps that is it and it is no easy matter as i told you to find a cure for these fevers but Betterella, what are we to do now the man's strength goes from him even to take him back the long way to the village will be difficult patience mother patience you must call louder to the god nightly until the moon is full perhaps even now the devil the fever is fighting against him ayo what help for the cultivator when the flies have sucked the strength from the paddy he sowed in an unlucky hour and not even the god can help him piteous Vaterala, will you not come with us and look at my brother now why should i see your brother said the Vaterala angrily what good can i do did i not tell you woman that i cannot cure your brother's fever where the god fails can the man succeed oh the minds of these women they say in the village here he looked round and smiled at hinihami that even the little one is like an untamed buffalo cow do not be angry with me Vaterella. you are the only help left for us we are weary with walking and in grief how can the women of the house not raise the cry when the brother and father lies dying within if i have spoken foolishly pardon my words Poncherella sat silently looking at hinihami the girl was crying the memory of the great god whom she had seen go riding by upon the elephant amid the flames and the shouts the wild god who ruled over the jungle and whom the men crowned with flowers and leaves were now dancing in the street the god to whom she cried so passionately on the night before had left her her excitement and exultation had died out as she listened to the jeering words of Poncherella, she hated him as she had hated him when he approached her before but as she listened to him talking to Hami, fear the fear that she felt for unknown evils gradually crept upon her she cried helplessly and Poncherella smiled at her as he watched her Hami watched his face expectantly and anxiously at last Poncherella began again slowly how the girl cries and for her father too i'm thinking that there is yet something for you to do i'm a poor veterala and my powers are small but there is a man here a great man a holy man who they say is very skilled in medicine and magic and knows the mind of the god he is a sannyasi from beyond the sea from india and his hair is ten cubits in length perhaps if you take slindu to him and inquire of him he will tell you the god's mind but you must take money for him ayo what is the use of talking of money to the starving Poncherella fumbled in the fold of his cloth and drew out his batel case from this he took a very dirty rag in which were a number of copper and silver coins he made it the sum of ninety-five cents and handed it over to Hami. here you are then a rupee even the gods require payment you can pay me three shillings in Kurikan when the crop is reaped the sannyasi sits behind the little temple under a banyan tree to-day when the sun sinks behind the trees of the jungle take your brother to him and make inquiry 
buncherella got up and began walking away followed by the obeisances and profuse thanks of carla nahami the two women hurried back to the temple they found that the old man and the fisher and his wife had joined selindu and baban the whole party agreed that the only thing to do was to consult the sanyasi they waited dozing and talking through the hot afternoon until the hour fixed by the vetarala arrived as soon as the sun sank behind the jungle and the shadow of the trees fell upon the temple courtyard they went in a body to the banyan trees they found the sanyasi sitting with his back against the trunk of a tree with a brass bow by his side he was unlike any sanyasi whom they had seen before he had a long black beard reaching below his waist a big hooked nose and little twinkling black eyes he wore a long white cotton robe which was indescribably dirty and an enormous dirty white turban as they approached him he unwound the folds of this turban and displayed his hair to the crowd which surrounded him it was plaited and matted into two thin coils upon the top of his head and its length had not been by any means exaggerated by puncherala the sanyasi spoke only a strange language unintelligible to the tamils and sinhalese in the crowd but there stood by him an old tamil man who interpreted what he said baban led selindu up to the sanyasi and dropped the money in the bowl he explained what he wanted to the old tamil who understood and spoke very badly sinhalese the crowd pressed forward to listen the sanyasi and his interpreter muttered together the old man then addressed the crowd and told them that the holy man could not consult the god or give an answer with them pressing upon him there was much talking and excitement but at last a large circle was cleared and the crowd was induced to move away out of earshot most of the people squatted down and though they could not hear a word of what followed they watched in hope of some exciting development baban and selindu squatted down in front of the sanyasi karlinahami hinehami and the others of their party stood behind them selindu weak and dejected though he was for the first time for several days seemed to take some interest in what was passing it had been arranged that baban should explain the case to the sanyasi will you tell the holy man he said to the interpreter that we are poor folk and ask pardon of him this man is my wife's father a hunter a very poor man there is also a yaka who lives in the banyan trees in the jungle over there baban made a sweep with his arm towards the west this yaka has entered this man and his life is going from him why has the yaka entered the man there is another man in the village that man is skilled in charms and magic and is angry with this man therefore he charmed the devil to do this well then when this had happened the woman went to him and prayed him to charm the devil away again then he said take your brother to baragama and pray to the god there at the great festival so we walked and walked to this place with the sick man we went in the parahara and called to the god but the god does not hear us and the man's life is going from him then the woman went again to the man for he too is here and told him he said i can do nothing take the man to the holy man who sits under the banyan tree and make inquiry of him so we waited for the lucky hour and have brought him the interpreter talked in the strange tongue with the sannyasi and then said to baban the holy man says that the offering is too small father it is all we have we are very poor rain never falls upon our fields and we have no land we pray him to help us there was another muttered conversation and then the interpreter said it is very little for so great a thing but the holy man will help you 
the little group became very still every one watched the sanyasi anxiously he muttered to himself fixed his eyes on the ground in front of him made marks in the sand with his finger and swayed his body from side to side then looking at selindu intently he began to speak very volubly selindu watched him fascinated at last the sanyasi stopped and the interpreter addressed them the holy man says thus it is true that a devil of the jungle has entered the man that this devil is of great power why has this happened the man is a foolish man there has come into the holy man's mind another man his face marked with scars and one-eyed he is a verderala very skilled in charms you have not told why the one-eyed man is angry but the holy man knows because of his holiness and wisdom the one-eyed man came and said give me your daughter but this man being mad refused and spoke evil then the one-eyed man was very angry and went away and made a charm over the devil and the devil entered the man when the one-eyed man made the charm he said to the devil unless she be given to me do not leave him a cry broke from hinihami she covered her face with her hands and crouched in fear upon the ground the interpreter paid no attention to her now even the one-eyed man cannot loose the charm so he has sent you to the god the god is of great power over devils he heard your prayer and he said to this devil leave the man but the yaka answered fighting against the power something must be given the master said unless she be given do not leave the man am i to die for this foolish man's sake then the god said yes something must be given either the man or the girl the holy man knows this and says that you must remain here and take the man every night in the parahara until the night of the full moon and on the morning of the next day you must return to the village but on the evening of the first day's journey the one-eyed man will meet you in an open stony place beside two palu trees then you must go to him and say there is the girl take her he will take the girl and the devil will leave the man otherwise if you do not do this the man will die for something must be given either the man or the girl remember too that the girl cannot be given during the festival hinihami pressed her body against the ground but her eyes were dry now she was broken tired and numb with fear and despair she had always known that it was she who was bringing death upon her father instinctively like a wild animal against a trap she had fought against the idea of giving herself to puncherala at the thought of her body touching his the skin seemed to shrink against her bones selinda was everything to her and she knew that now she was everything to him at first she had felt that she was being driven inevitably to sacrifice herself but when carla nahami returned from puncherala's compound and told them of the pilgrimage hope came to her the hardships and excitement of the road her ecstasy before the god had driven away her first feeling of despair the god would certainly help them but fear had crept in again at the first sight of pancharala and as she listened to his talk with carla nahami her hope grew cold now she knew that she must inevitably sacrifice herself had not the sanyasi known the truth which baban had not disclosed she knew that not even the god could help her she had heard his words yes something must be given either the man or the girl once more evil had come out of the jungle the effect upon the other listeners had also been great the holy man had seen what baban had hidden they knew well that they had heard from him the reply of the god they walked back to the temple talking about it in low voices there was no suggestion of doubt in any one as to what should be done even selindu had given in 
the god has spoken it was fate the inevitable the girl would be given the remainder of the festival passed slowly for them they followed the parahara dispirited and called upon the god nightly but there was no hope or even doubt now to excite them slindu listless waited for his release hinihami was cowed and dulled by despair the nights passed and the morning following the new moon came and they went down dutifully to the river to take part in the cutting of the waters they were a melancholy little group among the laughing joking crowd which stood knee-deep in the river and when the supreme moment came and the caparala cut the waters and the crowd with a shout splashed high over themselves and one another the waters which would bring them good fortune through the coming year hinihami stood among them weeping the pilgrimage was over and a line of returning pilgrims began at once to stream across the river westwards the old man and the fisher and his wife said good-bye to them for they felt that it was not right for them being strangers to be present of what was to take place upon the homeward journey then they too set out they walked all that day slowly for selinda was very weak and in silence when the shadows began to lengthen the jungle became thinner and the ground more stony they knew that they must be nearing the place the track turned and twisted through the scrub the air was very still they passed a bend and there before them stood the vetarala under some palu trees they stopped for a moment and looked at one another Karlinahami touched Slindu on the arm he took hinehami by the hand and went up to pancharala his eyes seemed to be fixed upon something far away beyond pancharala he spoke very slowly here is the girl take her pancharala looked at hinehami and smiled it is well he said Slindu turned and with Karlinahami and baban walked on down the track neither of them looked back hinehami was left standing by the vetarala her arms hanging limply by her side her eyes looking on the ground end of chapter five part two